Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market this episode of Dish was brought to you by Delicious Magazine in June 2016. For more episodes, visit deliciousmagazine.co.uk forward slash dish. Hello and welcome to Dish, the podcast lovingly prepared and baked here by the team at Delicious Magazine. I'm your host, Andrew Webb, coming up on this month's show. If you think I'm getting out <laughs> deep fat and putting it in batter, um, that's just one thing I wouldn't do. We find out the Dish that the great Mary Berry herself refuses to ever cook. English knowledge of food is seconds to not in Europe. And as the EU referendum draws near, we get political and speak to four EU chefs about why London is now the best place to eat Mediterranean food. Finally, there's a poignant note to our chat with editor Karen Barnes as we hear all about the June issue. It's all coming up on Dish. Now, Britain goes to the polls this month to vote on the EU referendum. Now, a recent shoot for the magazine, I caught up with four European chefs, one from Spain, one from Greece, one from Italy, and one from North London but whose family are Turkish Cypriot. I wanted to hear their thoughts on how British food has changed in the years since they arrived here, and what a leave vote might mean for their businesses. So on a rainy day in North London, I went to meet them. Uh, my name is Jose Pizarro. <laughs> um, I'm Spanish, living in London for 17 years. I'm Selen Kiazm. I own a restaurant called Oklava in Shoreditch, and I cook modern Turkish cuisine. Hi, my name is Francesco Mazzei. I'm the chef patron of Sartoria, and I'm cooking a beautiful South Italian cooking. And I'm uh, Theo de Kiriakou. Uh, I'm Greek uh, from a restaurant, the Greek Lauda, and I'm cooking Greek food. I want to take you back to your first impressions of arriving in London uh, and what you think the London food scene was like when you first ex- came to experience it. As they to, what was it like? It was amazing for me. Really? Even when I arrived to Gatwick, they say, wow, what is this? Coming from uh, Madrid, where the diversity was nothing at all, arrive in a country with the diversity that we have, even in Gatwick, was more, more <laughs> diversity than anywhere in, in Spain. It was amazing. But for me, it was like, what can I do now? I'm lost in this country. Um, Spain, the food from Spain was not much at all. And as you see, in the, in the last 17 years, people know about Spanish uh, food and no Spanish food, good Spanish quality food. And I'm born and brought up in North London, so it kind of that's where all the Cypriots in particular um, live. And so I was brought up very much on mum's cooking and local restaurants were all about, you know, kebabs and things. And But I never thought I would someday kind of have my own Turkish restaurant. I always thought I'd end up working in some other cuisine. You know, say with Spanish or Italian cuisine, I find that, that you can get hold of really high quality stuff with Turkey not being a part of the EU. Yeah. makes it a bit of a struggle for those, you know, ingredients and cheeses and things like that to come over. Francesco, I've read an interview with you and you're on record as saying that you couldn't have done what you've done here in Italy. Is, is that true? It's absolutely true. I think um, 
London Palcoscenico at the moment is where every single good chef wants to be. I agree with that when it says that in terms of Spanish, Italian or French product, you find nearly as good as, as Italy. I would say 90% of the good food is here. Wow. I used to say in an interview time ago that we probably sell more burrata in London than the whole Puglia, which is, <laughs> I mean, it's every single thing. I mean, when I first came here, it was in 96, right. and I used to work at Dorchester. There was not many good Italian restaurants. I remember San Lorenzo, Colombina, and the rest were just like Soho, big Parmigiana, big lasagna, which was a brick block. Um, so it was quite really rich Italian cooking. Then we went to the, the crazy excess of the Mission Star, craziness, fusion, confusion and stuff. Now London is the place where you're eating a very good food, I believe. Gastropub, normal restaurant, fine dining. People know what to eat now. People do know a difference from uh, Rioja and, and Nerodavo in terms of wine. People know the difference between Manchego, uh, Grana Padano. It wasn't like this before. Mm. So I think now London is really the capital food. English knowledge of food is second to none in Europe. Theodore, you've probably been here the longest, am I right? Uh, yes, I've been here since '87. Uh, uh, Have you uh, seen it change? Major change. I think the biggest change are arriving from the mid '90s. Uh, you eat uh, the best Mediterranean food in London, that actually in the Mediterranean countries. You find better products here, even coming you know, from Greece. I can find them easier here than actually find them back at home. That uh, until kind of the year of the London Olympics, we didn't have Greek restaurants. Um, there were all of them Greek Cypriot. Before that time, the only Greek restaurant was me. Uh, and uh, uh, is it any th- anything wrong having Greek Cypriot restaurants? No, absolutely nothing. But it's a different country. Right. Um, uh, geographically, uh, they have coriander and we have parsley. Uh, they have cumin and we've got fennel. Uh, so this this is the you know uh, uh, that's the only you know you know big difference. Yeah. So uh, so the, the chefs that they have arrived now because of how uh, politically the situation is back at home, they they, they do have the reign of the uh, uh, of a Michelin hat. That's interesting that you talk about the political situation. I kind of want to come on to that. I think the majority of the good Greek chefs have already gone. Really? Um, yes, and most of those are the, uh, if I can call it, uh, la creme de la creme, uh, you know, of the you know uh, of of the good people that the country has got. The interesting thing that has happened, you know, the uh, uh, with all this you know recession, uh, has made the people who have lived in Athens since they were born to, to go back to their roots and, uh, and work on the land. So the, the last two or three years, you've seen uh, uh, incredible uh, uh, Greek produce coming from uh, uh, very small parts of Greece uh, and so the it's, islands. It's got more entrepreneurship. As correct, people have correct. Lost yes, jobs yes, in telecoms yes, and have yes, gone back uh, to farming. Uh, uh, I mean... Uh, you see suddenly a big boom on the dairy products, on the cheeses. Uh-huh. Uh, until now, uh, you're going to a, a Greek cheese shop, and the only thing you were seeing was either white or yellow. Uh, so, and all the cheeses were either very salty or tasteless. But now you've got a much better product, you know, coming up. And also with the thinking that uh, if I want to share it with the rest of the Europe, I need to, to know how to produce it, uh, to, to do it under certain legislations, um, and look after the animal much better. Well, that leads us on to the European referendum question. So uh, do you think that the UK should stay in or out? And what no matter what happens, what does that mean for your business, do you think? Who wants to field this one first? Stuns like Jose is going to wait. Oh, don't mind. Um, <laughs> hopefully, we stay. We don't know what is going to happen. No, we don't know really. But for sure, the pricing is going to increase. The price of your raw ingredients. All ingredients. Um, I import like seventy-five percent 
Right. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. But the, the sad thing for me is to have something separating my two countries because I'm living in this one that is my home now for 17 years. And to see something separating both Spain and Britain is going to be very, very sad and very difficult for me as a person. Yeah, I, I agree with the Jose, but uh, I don't think it will change much. I really believe that UK will stay as it is. I, I mean, I'd like us to stay in the EU. Leaving, you'd go into the unknown and you don't know what would happen. It could make the whole chefing shortage. It could make it even worse. Well, let's move on to that. I imagine you all employ chefs from all over the world, not just the EU. Uh, just give me an example of where some of your staff come from. Where, uh, as we were discussing before, the good people... They do leave our countries now, especially where I come from, south of Italy. I know there is a shortage of chefs around, but to be honest with you, I never had this problem. So we go a guy coming for three mission star restaurants, two mission star restaurants in Italy, where they come to London and work for me. So my staff, I've got 47 staff now, they're 95% Italians. Right. Of course, they talk a lot. But I've got, but I've got, I've got, the, I've got the best team, the best guys. Because yeah. they can't, they can, they cannot stay in Italy anymore. Egoistically, I'm happy that I can go with the best staff. Of course, some of that, some of those, they would like to stay there. For me, it was like a, a choice to come in UK. You live in UK. My kids, they born here, they grow up here. Be like Jose, he's my second home now. Yeah. But some of these guys, these guys, sad enough, they need to, they have to do it. They want to leave the family over there and come and work in London, which is, you believe or no, sad enough. Is good for our business. All your restaurants are in different parts of London. Why did you pick Bermondsey? Because I really want to be in a neighbourhood. And I just wanted to see people smiling me in the morning. That's it, really. <laughs> <laughs> to say hello and be happy. Is why I choose um, Bermondsey. And then I choose um, Liverpool Street because it's, you know, it's a good place to be. I, I really I, love that. I think it's interesting Liverpool Street because if you can put up with the braying suits there is some actually good restaurants there now if just city people are really good and they are very clever really yeah don't don't mess around with them they know what they want they don't they are not stupid they don't want to overpay really or, no you think the days of the uh, receipt appearing in the metro for 41,000 pounds big wine list when I first opened Lanima was uh, nine years ago and we used to have this uh, nasty arrogant tough people they can be nasty they can be arrogant but they're very loyal to you and by the way these guys time ago they were the only people who can afford top restaurants i remember once my sommelier came in that the one guy said the sasikaya was corked was that thousand pound bottle i remember it was 85 wow. and the sommelier said oh chef you know it's corked i can tell you and i called my sommelier said how many bottles of sasikaya you had in your life oh it's the second time i taste my sasikaya do you know this guy probably going fucking sasikaya every single day so change the bottle and don't worry about that so you change the bottle, and the guy bought four bottles of Sasikaya during his meal. <laughs> so this is what and you how, learn how from this. Costing that? I think it's quite a lot. Uh, 3800 plus service, something like that. But, but those days are gone, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. Those days are gone. But that's why, and also I agree with him when he says, these guys, they do know how to spend money. They right. do know what the value for money is. These guys, they're bankers. They're traders. They're brokers. Who better than them knows about how to spend money, how to make money? And so we actually, trouble. yeah. They have trouble. Uh, they have trouble. Uh, actually, for me, it was a good lesson. Mm. to be there so they know how to deal with money rather than be Italian in that bargain, to be honest <laughs> Theodore your new, your new place is in King's Cross tell me about what that feels like and why you chose that I, I like the, the location it was facing southwest, so good have you know sunsets uh, in King's Cross <laughs> you take the restaurant uh, based yes, on yes, uh, facing the canal so it's not the Aegean but it's uh, Regent's <laughs> Canal uh, you cannot swim but you can imagine it uh, and uh, yes um, and it has got a very good mixture of uh, uh, business and uh, uh, and residents so it's, uh, uh, that was really the main you know the main reason 
And can, finally, can you tell me what you're cooking today on this beautiful summer's day here and uh, in the pouring rain in, in North London? Theodore, what are you cooking? I cook uh, uh, a fish that comes from, uh, uh, the recipe comes from the island of Spetses, so it's a baked fish with uh, lots of uh, fresh chopped tomatoes and herbs and, uh, uh, you know, breadcrumbs on the top, okay. uh, and a sorbet from, uh, from apricots. I'm cooking uh, aubergine, uh, smoked aubergine croquette with chili jam. Oh, nice. And I'm cooking strawberry marinade with black pepper, chocolate crumble and mascarpone. I'm cooking a halloumi and avocado on toast with black olive tapenade. And I'm also doing a nice spice marinated lamb neck with a samphire salad. Oh. And for me, something very summery. It's an almond soup. Okay. And then we finish with capers and, uh, and breadcrumb. And then lovely tomato salad with anchovies. Simple, summery, happy days. On this beautiful summer's day. Amazing. Look at, look at yeah. that rain. Fantastic. It's not raining. <laughs> He's just cleaning a little bit the space. <laughs> well, interesting stuff. We still have to wait and see. No matter what happens on June the 23rd, you'll find all the chef's summary recipes in the August issue of Delicious magazine. In the meantime, we've hundreds of other European recipes and British ones at deliciousmagazine.co.uk. So check those out. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And get cooking. Now, another cook that's seen our knowledge of food increase over the years, often down to her own efforts, is the legendary Mary Berry. I sat down with her over a cup of tea at last month's RHS Spring Show to talk history, vegetables, and of course, Bake Off. Mary, we're here at the RHS Spring Festival. What are you going to be doing today? I'm doing all sorts of things. I'm going to do a questions and answers, and I'm going round to see all the exhibitions and, of course, the gardens. We've got the food pavilion as well. Let's not forget about that. Uh, have you had a look round there yet? I haven't yet, and I'm looking forward to it because I know there'll be a little bit of early asparagus because this area is known for asparagus. It is. It is the Vale of Evesham and all around that area. And what sort of ingredients are you cooking with? 
now that we're into spring and we've, we've seen the sun finally after all this time, what's, what's, in, what's in Mary's shopping basket and kitchen? Well, before I left this morning, I peeled six tiny new potatoes from Cornwall. Oh, the Cornish Earlies. The Cornish Earlies, and that's what we're having for supper. And I thought, I'll just do that before I left. Excellent. And, of course, there's purple sprouting broccoli. Yes. Um, is at its best at the moment. I actually grow white sprouted broccoli broccoli right. um which isn't ready yet but i love homegrown vegetables yes yes and spinach is just coming um and we've still got some leeks left so you've got an area where you're growing food do you think that's a key part of what the rhs encourages as well as sort of flowers and and, and garden stuff like that but the, there seems to be a lot here about growing your own food now it seems to be much more allotment culture and that sort of thing The RHS encourages all of us to grow our own. And, of course, you don't need a vast amount of space. Now people have learnt to have, if they've got little gardens, to have raised beds. And then you're in control Mm. um, and you can uh, be much more selective on the soil. You can improve the soil because it's only a small area. Um, I grow um, herbs uh, near the back door. You can grow a wonderful selection of herbs and window boxes you don't need a lot of space and i think once you've grown one few even if it's just a few herbs once you've sort of tended this thing and looked after it you sort of feel a connection to it is that a key part of your horticultural life would you say yes my idea is that you should grow what you eat there's no point in growing uh, something like celeriac which is very difficult to grow if you hate it <laughs> uh, um, grow something that's expensive too i mean i think more and more people are growing spinaches and chard mm. red chard yes. uh, swiss chard because it's difficult to get you also get with things like courgettes you get the flowers which you can stuff with ricotta and do things with and you never see those in the shops you may well stuff your (laughs) uh, courgette flowers this is something i leave that to chefs i leave it to when i go out for a meal if you think i'm getting out deep fat and putting it in batter and flouring it and so forth. Um, that's just one thing I wouldn't do. I'm into cooking really fresh food uh-huh. uh, that's not too complicated. And if it's complicated, leave it to the chefs. That's something when you go out, you think, oh, I'd like to try that. Yeah, but yes. um, I think keep things simple. Well, that leads us on nicely. I've brought you something to have a look at. Let's have a look at this. That's Mary Berry at home. 1996, this one. Oh, that's yesterday. Um, <laughs> what struck me about this book is that it's quite still quite contemporary despite being 20 years old oh yes i mean here i've just uh, turned the page and we've got mushrooms and they call them field mushrooms when you buy them mm. um or portobello mushrooms really they're just an overgrown mushroom uh at which i have put all different kinds of mushrooms in the middle of them in a yeah. nice creamy sauce a lovely first course there's one recipe in particular i've just bookmarked it back here right. judy's thighs now, Judy's thighs, Judy, I used to run um, Argo workshops at home, um, and Judy did very little cooking. We had lots of helpers, all who lived in our village, and Judy, I said, now, Judy, people give me recipes that they have in their family, and I said, what do you do? Oh, she said, I don't do much, and she said, well, I do take thighs, and um, the butcher takes the bone out, of course, and he puts sausage inside the thigh thigh, instead of the bone. Right, so a chipolata. A a chipolata, yes. But anyway, uh, you roast them. And it was an absolute favourite with everybody. So simple to do. 
and we had to call them Judy's thighs. <laughs> so it's a, a chipolata in a chi- in a boned chicken thigh yeah, with, a, with some bacon wrapped round. That's right, and then just roasted. And the family love them. It's uh, so tasty because sausage meat is well seasoned. It's delicious. Mm. In fact, you've reminded me and I might go home and do them. <laughs> so you've been writing books now for a considerable amount of time. How do you think food has changed in Britain since... You know, well, thinking back to sort of the 1970s and right to the present day, what what do you think has been the trend? Well, there's been a great trend in the vegetables. Um, maybe that's due to the RHS and us more learning more about uh, vegetables. But 20 years ago, you had one vegetable with your Sunday roast, or perhaps two, perhaps parsnips and cabbage, or parsnips and broccoli. 30 years ago, nobody knew what a butternut squash was. Yes. Courgettes were pretty new. Um, you know, they were baby marrows. And people now do many vegetables, and vegetables have become a very important part of our meals. Finally, we can't talk to Mary Berry without talking about Bake Off. It was a great year last year. I really enjoyed it. What was the take-home moment for you, do you think? The take-home moment for me was the final Mm. when Nadia won. She had done... Well, most of the time she had nearly gone halfway through, but she was a really wonderful family cook. And when I handed her her prize at the end, I said, Nadia, what are you going to do tomorrow? I thought she'd be baked out, but she said, oh, I shall go home and bake. And she was a real, uh, a, a good family cook had an adoring lot of children and proud husband, um, and she nothing she liked more than to bake. Excellent. And we've got the new series starting when? Um, well, I think it'll be about August. We're um, obviously back in the tent. Back in the tent. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I'm here with Cara and the editor now. We've got the June issue here. Tell us what we can look forward to in that. Well, there's a feature that's in the magazine this month that I feel really strongly about. And that's because it was inspired by an experience of my own. When I was 15, my mother sadly died. And I was left with a very strong sense that it was my responsibility to keep our little family together. My dad, my brother and I. So I used to go to school and get off the train a stop early on the way home. And I would go shopping and do the week's shopping. And then on a Saturday, I would spend the entire day batch cooking casseroles, one of which was absolutely disgusting, pilchard casserole. I can't believe I used to inflict that on everybody. And I would put them, label them all up and put them in the freezer and then we'd eat them the following week. So our feature is all about cooking big batches of things. So what sort of dishes are you looking at there, pilchards aside? It's not all casseroles because that would be far too boring. Um, Especially in June. We've got some fantastic beetroot and feta burgers, which are really tasty vegetarian dish. We've got an aubergine parmigiana that's uh, slightly lighter than the usual one. And then there's a wonderful cherry tomato sauce made with fresh cherry tomatoes that are so good at this time of year. Mm. And that can go with anything from chicken to steak to fish. So that's a very adaptable one. This getting ahead, I, I like this idea because it's one of those things where people think I've not got time to cook, but at the weekends a lot of us do have a bit more time. But it's great to see it done from a summer point of view. Yes, well that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do it at this time of year because summer tends to be a time when actually you would rather be outside. Yes. 
and you don't want to spend every single night at the end of the working day cooking. So even more reason to create some wonderful summer dishes that can be frozen ahead and made in big batches. So moving on, anything else we should look out for? Any other interesting features and nuggets? We have a good feature focusing on places where you can go to stay where they are producing something, some kind of food or drink, maybe beer. And you can stay on the premises in a lovely place, have good food and also see things Uh. being produced, which is really interesting. And apart from that, we have another feature in the magazine that uh, is really worth checking out. It's a street party feature because, of course, this is the month when the Queen is going to be celebrating her birthday with a a party that I understand is going to be the whole length of the Mall in London. Yes. I think it's 10,000 people sitting around (laughs) tables and so we thought it would be wonderful if we could um, inspire people to throw their own street party with neighbours and friends. Uh, We've talked about the sort of staycation and holidays in the UK. Are we abroad in this issue anywhere? Yes we have a a menu that was created in Venice by um, Ah, Bex. She does get around a bit our food editor. I I like to tease her about that. (laughs) She went to Italy and shot a wonderful feature where she went to the markets in Venice. She gets all the good assignments. Can you imagine? (laughs) And she was in inspired we we decided not to plan it too much ahead because the whole idea was that she went to market behaved like an italian i.e seeing what wonderful produce was around bought it and cooked a feast and it's a really and the idea of this is that again you don't spend too much time cooking most of all get fantastic produce cook it very fast then get outside and eat it Great, and we've also got here the world's best burger. Yes, and do you want to know what's special about it? I'm dying to know, tell me all. I thought you might be. It is a rabbit burger. A rabbit? Rabbit. So you know Welsh rabbit? I do. It's like that topping mixed with a burger and then there's bacon going on as well. So this is incredible. And I will say that there's a lot of... Uh, fat and calories in it but this is this is something that you need to see as a once a month treat and it really is a meal in itself you don't need anything else because it's incredibly filling but boy is it worth it i'm loving the sound of that so cook ahead get outside street parties travel the world's your oyster it's all there in the june issue it's a good one and that roundup of the June issue brings us to the end of the June podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please subscribe via iTunes. We'd love to hear from you, so get in touch via the website. And until next month, I'm your host, Andrew Webb. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.